on the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about the Godhead. Yeah, that's a, a word that a lot of people are not familiar with, but we think it's uh, it definitely is a Bible, is a word found in our English uh, Bibles, and we want to explain the Godhead. And the big question we want to ask is how many how many beings are there that are called God? What about this idea of the Trinity, or is it Jesus only? We're going to talk about those kind of things in our lesson tonight. All right. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study gets started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, December 5th, 2019. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you. Good to be with you. Kyle's here behind the controls. Kyle, welcome to the program. It's good to be here. Looking forward to Hearing from you and looking forward to some comments from you on the other end of the line tonight, whether you're listening to us live or listening to us in the archive podcast, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. If you are listening to us live, we want your calls at 877-381-4567 or your comments in the chat room to the bottom of your video feed. Look forward to hearing from you on this important topic tonight. Jacob, before we get to that, a couple things. Uh, yeah. we, we always tell people that we send out our Update on Thursdays. Uh, get on our update list if you're, if you're not, so that you can know what we're going to be talking about on a given program a, a few hours ahead of time. Uh, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. When you do that, you get two e- you get two emails from us each week. One is the update on Thursday about our program that night. The other usually goes out on Tuesday and is an email version of our um, Sunday bulletin. And so you'll get two emails from us and we won't bother you any more than that. And, and we won't, we won't give your address to anybody else. Okay. And this is December now. And so we begin talking about something we do every year and that is to print a Bible reading calendar. Mm -hmm. We haven't started printing those yet, but we will soon. And I even got an email request for one already. Uh, we hadn't even started printing them yet, but, uh, if you want to send in your request now, uh, when we get them printed, we'll send one to you. But you got to send us your snail mail address. So make sure you give us your U.S. Postal Service mailing address. So it, we'll send you a paper copy of our uh, daily Bible reading calendar. You also make it available on our website. But It'll the paper be, copy is easier. Yeah. Instead yeah. of sliding the Bible stick it right, right Bible. Where, you, where you stopped the day before. Yeah. So uh, uh, we like this this calendar that we use. We've been using it for years. We'll talk more about it as we get closer. But uh, we update it every year, of course, to make it current to the to the existing calendar but uh it's a really good bible reading program and uh we'll we'll be talking more about that as we get closer to the end of the year but you can already start sending your request but make sure that when you do you send us your u.s postal service address so we can stick one in the mail and when you do that you might say uh, and send me a bumper sticker and the same person who asked for a reading calendar asked for an oval shaped bible and i still haven't ordered those but i got to do that okay 
All right. So, yeah, get your request in. We want uh, to hear from you. Send that snail mail address to questions at collegeview.com for a Bible reading calendar and or a bumper sticker uh, to help get the word out there. Kyle, you don't have to send an email. You can pick yours up in yeah, person. Yeah, you can. Uh, yeah. I'm not mailing yours. Hey, 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 if you want to come and visit us, we can give you one in person as well. Yeah, anybody that's listening and want to come and just visit with us would be great. Okay. All right, so earlier today we sent to our update list these questions. Number one, how many beings are identified as God in the Bible? Now, you got to give us some scripture references. You know, don't just tell us off the top of your head. Tell us where that where you're referring to in scripture. And then the follow-up to that is, what does the Bible mean when it says there's only one God? All right. And then the follow-up question to that is going to be, because we're going to, I'll, I'll give you the answer that we're going to offer, uh, and I think most of our listeners will offer the same answer. There's actually three beings called God, but the Bible says there's only one God. And so our question that is a challenge is, how, how are three one? And, and we'll talk about that. And then at the end of the program, what we want to do, and we won't get into this until the end of the program, but after we get an f- understanding of the Godhead, we want to talk about some misconceptions about God. People have sort of the wrong picture of God. They imagine him to be what he is not. And we'll try to talk about that at the end of the program. All right. 877-381-4567. In the chat room, Kevin's signing in tonight from Cincinnati, Ohio. Thank you for listening tonight, Kevin, and uh, give us an update on your location. Why don't you, in the chat room as well, uh, let us know where you're listening tonight. If you haven't signed in already, it's an easy thing to do. Uh, Let us know uh, your thoughts on the program tonight. So it sounds to me like you're setting us up here for um, maybe some contradictory things, because you say how many beings, plural, and then you talk about there being one God. So you're going to have to break this down for us. Uh, what's the Bible teach us about the number of beings that are identified as God? Okay, well, for, let's talk about the beings that are identified as God. We, we, I gave uh, Kyle uh, some charts that we have used in the past, and I think are really good pictorial representations of the idea of the Godhead. By the way, before we talk about the Godhead, we're going to say, as I, I just mentioned, we're going to say that there are three beings that are identified as God, there is a there is a term that you hear used a lot called the Trinity. Mm-hmm. That that's not a Bible word. That's not found anywhere in our English Bibles. It's certainly not obviously in in the original the Bibles in the original language. But that's not that terminology is not used in the Word of God. That's something that men invented. Now, I think I understand the meaning when people use the expression Trinity. They're talking about they're talking about three divine beings, and we think the Bible clearly says there are three divine beings. We don't typically use the word Trinity. We use the word that we find in our English Bibles, which is Godhead. And so, when and that may sound a little bit unusual to some folks who've not heard it before, but Godhead is the biblical designation of this of the three beings that, that are all identified as God. Now, let's look. Uh, and, Kyle, if you want to pop up that one chart the, uh, to show these three different beings uh, that are called God, first of all, notice there is a plurality. Yep. The, 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 the notion of God is a plural notion, and we see that early in Genesis in the creation week. In Genesis 1, verse 26, God said, let us, plural, 
make man in our image after our likeness. Those are plural terms. Who's God talking to? I mean, is he, you know, I heard somebody say, did he have a mouse in his pocket or something? Yeah. You know, there must have been somebody else there he's talking to. Let us make God, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Uh, so there's, there's, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it, it's obvious that there's more than one being there and that those beings have the same likeness. Yeah. In our Singular likeness. Let us make man in our image. They had one image. And our likeness. They had one likeness. So this plurality shared a likeness. or They were of the same kind, obviously. If Kyle, if the three of us were here, we said, let's make uh, a creature that has hair like ours. Well, we couldn't say that because Kyle's hair is black and ours is gray. But these beings all shared the same likeness. And our likeness, so they're yeah, the same. Yeah, okay. yeah. Now, again, in Genesis, not long after that, in chapter 3, we know when uh, Adam and Eve partook of, of the forbidden fruit, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis 3.22, the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us. Yeah to know good and evil. And so, again, notice the plurality being used. There. So you get the idea that this idea of God is a plural notion. And, in fact, we see some instances where uh, the, the, the three different representations, three different manifestations, that's what I want to say, three different manifestations of God are seen in the same episode. In Matthew chapter 3, Matthew 3. Verse 16 is the record of Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. Right. And so what do you have there? Matthew 3, beginning verse 16. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. So here's Jesus. He's in the water with John the Baptist. He went up straightway out of the water. Lo, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. So here's Jesus being baptized, the spirit descending like a dove and a voice from heaven. This Mm -hmm. is my beloved son. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a pretty tough passage for those who who take the position there's only one divine being. Some of our religious friends, and oftentimes they're referred to as Jesus-only people. They believe that there's only one divine being. He is Jesus he just he just shows himself in different capacities at different times. Sometimes he shows himself as the Father, sometimes as the Son, sometimes as the Spirit, but it's all the same being. Well, this is a little confusing because in this same scenario, we got three three different representations. Man, I shouldn't. I'm using the wrong word. Three different manifestations of divine beings: Jesus, the Spirit. And God, the Father, speaking from heaven. Uh, Now, notice uh, again that there's a distinction between these beings. In Mark chapter 13, verse 32, Jesus said, Of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Jesus said there's something the Father knows that I don't know. Well, they, if they're the same being, that wouldn't even make sense. If they're two separate beings, 
then he says the father knows, but the son doesn't know. Yeah. Well, that, well, that would indicate a distinction in being. There two, has to be. Two different beings. It has to be different, or yeah. else Jesus would know. Yeah. Okay. In 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, Paul said there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So there's, there's the Father, and here's man, and Jesus goes between. So uh, Jesus is not the Father, or he couldn't. That would, that, again, that description would be senseless. He can't be a go-between if he is the Father. Yeah. But he's the one who goes between us and the Father, again, showing a distinction in being. And then one more place in John chapter 8, beginning verse 16. Jesus said, Yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself. And the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. So notice what Jesus said. Under the law of Moses, in many instances, you had to have at least two witnesses right. to confirm a thing to be true. Yep. Well, Jesus said, we've got that here. Yeah. I'm one who bears witness of my identity. And the Father is a second one who bears witness of my identity. If they're the same being, then Jesus was actually presenting a... a a false argument, and he and he knew it was false. He he would have been purposefully just trying to deceive the people with that kind of a, of an argument. <clears throat> if in fact the father and the son are the same being, but all, we're saying that all to say that there are three distinct beings that are identified as God. And and I, I uh, Kyle, I might have thrown you off a minute ago. I said something about throwing that chart up. Um, yeah, because what you've done is you have proven that there are multiple beings in the Godhead. Yeah. And you've proven that Jesus is not the Father. Right. But you have not proven that Jesus is God, and you haven't proven that the Holy Spirit is God. And okay. so we need to get into that, but we need to take a break. Okay. Why don't we get back from the break? We can get into that chart. And Kyle's okay. got it up there big on the screen. We'll yeah. put it back up when we get back. But because... That's in question. If you prove that there are multiple beings in the Godhead. Who are they? Who are they? That yeah. is in dispute in the religious world today. Yeah. yeah. We need to get into that. And so we'll get into that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Okay. Wow. It isn't so hard to understand the Bible after all. There's more exciting study and discussion coming after these messages. When you take away the ice cream socials, the family center, the gym, the fellowship hall, and the plays from your church, what do you have left? Is there anything of real spiritual substance? Is there anything that says this is all about God and not all about me? At the College View Church of Christ, we want to stay focused on the goal of serving God. We don't offer what most churches offer, but we do offer Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If that's what you're looking for, come worship with us this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. at the College View Church of Christ. Here's some quotes worth pondering. There's no telling how far a kind word or deed will travel. Nothing is given so freely as advice. Anger is a bad counselor. It takes a great man to be a good listener. He that will be great must learn to serve. Man, wish I'd said that. Now that you've had your break, it's back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight as we talk about the Godhead. And uh, the chat room is pretty quiet, although guest 345 is listening in College Park, 
Maryland on the outskirts of Washington, D.C. Glad that you're out there tonight. If you want to sign in and share your location, we'd appreciate that. Uh, uh, just say hello to the other listeners there. It's uh, nice to know how far and wide this Bible study group is. You know, Kyle, it's, uh, it's nice to have a, a, a group for a Bible study, and it's even sort of more nice, nicer when they're all over the world. Absolutely, of course. All right. All right, uh, so the Godhead. Uh, okay. Let's get that chart back up there because we got to break this down a little bit. Have you got it? Uh, Kyle's got Kyle's got control of it over there. Okay. All right. So put that up on the screen there because this is a well, this is an old uh, this is an old standby chart here, but it does the job and uh, and does a very good job. Okay. So as you look at that chart, you see that each one of these beings, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are a called God. And let's look at those verses that that make that argument. Okay. Uh, for instance, and and typically nobody would have an argument with the fact that the Father is identified as God, but let's let's show a scripture for that. Okay. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 3 to show that the Father is God. Uh, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, the Father is called God there. And not the same as as Jesus because there's two. Yeah. Okay. No doubt about that. Okay. All right. Now, so the Father is called God. Jesus is called God. And really the very good place to show that is John chapter 1. It's so effective that the Jehovah's Witnesses who deny this fact have had to manipulate the Scripture in order to get around what John chapter 1 teaches. Yeah. So. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. All right, so the Word was God. Now, who's that referring to? Well, you skip down to verse 14, same chapter. John makes that perfectly clear. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So John says the word was God, and he says that word was Jesus. And and, and that made the Pharisees really mad that Jesus would claim to be God. And, you know, Jesus never argued with them when they made that conclusion. Jesus never said, no, I'm not claiming to be God. That would be blasphemy. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, for instance, um, in Mark... uh, uh, in Mark chapter 2, you might remember an episode where they brought a man who was sick of the palsy and they couldn't get into the house because there were so many people in the house and they tore the roof back on the house so they could let the man down into the presence of Jesus. And Jesus uh, said to the sick of the palsy, Mark 2 verse 5, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And Jesus, uh, and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said to them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is, whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise, take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say to thee, rise, take up thy bed and go thy way to the house. Jesus said, it's as easy for me to I have the power, just like I have the power to, to heal this man. I have the power to forgive his sins. Jesus was, as you said, Jacob, he, they they immediately said, wait a minute. 
This guy's basically claiming to be God. That's blasphemous, and they were right. Yeah. If Jesus wasn't God and he had done that, it would have been blasphemous for him yeah. to do that. And as you said, he didn't say, well, well, I'm not saying that. I'm not making that. No. He went on to verify that claim. Yeah. God, only God can do it, and <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. So Jesus is clearly God. There's just no doubt about that. Now, the one that, that might be uh, a little more confusing to people or a little harder for people to visualize or imagine in their mind is the idea of the Holy Spirit being God. Uh, and the best place that we have, and the chart, Kyle's still got the chart there up on the screen. If you're looking at the chart, the best place to go for this is Acts chapter 5. I think a lot of our listeners will remember the episode with Ananias and Sapphira who lied about a gift that they gave for the help of needy saints in the city of Jerusalem, in the new church in Jerusalem. Uh, and and so they they lied about they, they sold some property and lied about the the proceeds and the giving of the proceeds and Peter said in Acts five verse three, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land, whilst it remained was it not thine own and after it was sold was it not in thine own power, why hast thou conceived this thing to lie, uh, why is it, why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart, thou hast not lied unto men but unto God. Now, look, verse 3, Peter said, you lied to the Holy Ghost. Verse 4, he said, you lied to God. And so there's interchangeably. There's and so just by purpose of logic, you conclude that clearly the Holy Spirit is God. So now there's that chart showing that each of those three beings is identified as God. So what we have here, then the, the notion of God when used in this sense. Now, a lot of times God is just used. In reference to the Father, in particular, yeah. but when the when the when we say Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God, we're saying that they are beings that possess the attributes of deity. Right. As we said earlier from Genesis one, Father, Son, and Spirit all share the same likeness. They are all alike right. in the sense that they are divine beings. Now we could say that you and me and Kyle all share the attributes of humankind. Mm-hmm. In other words, we, 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 have, we have the attributes that, that, are, that pertain to humans. Or we could say we are human. We are human. Father, Son, and Spirit are God. Mm-hmm. And so that's what that, when, when the word God is used in that sense, it's a word that denotes the, the characteristics and attributes of deity. The Father has all of those attributes. But the Son Jesus has all of those attributes. The Holy Spirit has all of those same attributes. So they are three beings who are God. They are three beings who possess all the attributes and characteristics of deity. That's what we mean. And so our question was, how many beings are identified as God in the Bible? Three. Well, what does it mean then when the Bible says that there's only one God? There's only one divine nature. There's only one set of attributes or characteristics that denote deity. There's one there's one quality or set of qualities. There's one identifier, God, and three beings possess that. All right. Uh, let us know your comments in the chat room. Is that clear or is that confusing? Uh, do you have anything you'd like to add? Kevin adds, the idea of the multi- multiple entities in the Godhead is best understood at the baptism of Jesus. And so... Um, he agrees, as we mentioned uh, earlier, that uh, that you see all three beings there. Thank you for that, Kevin. Um, and so um, 
All right. Uh, go ahead. And- I've got a, I've got a question, uh, comment from Richard in the YouTube chat room, and he says, Did Jesus inherit the title Son of God when he was born in the flesh? So before becoming man, he was called God from everlasting. If there were three, can there be more that we don't know of? Not saying there is. I believe there's just there is three, but just thinking, can there be more? Uh, well, well uh, Jesus is called the only begotten right. Son of God, uh, and so I, I would argue no that there couldn't be more if He's the only begotten Son of that God. Goes along with uh, Jared's comment in the chat room. He says. Uh, Hey, I know this is off topic a bit, but if you have time, could you comment on these passages that some are using to say that there are more gods? They take the phrase by the decree of the watchers from Daniel chapter 4, verse 17, and it is a decree of the Most High. And they say these beings are making decisions on behalf of God, and they compare it uh, to Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. So he says, he references Daniel 4, 17, the sentences by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones. To the end that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will and sets it over the low, sets over it the lowliest of men. I'm not sure I get that. I'm not sure I get the question. Well, the question is: Are these holy ones or the watchers making decisions on the part of God, or are they even God? In, in Daniel chapter four, uh, verse seventeen, that Daniel says there. Uh, I don't know, Jerry. I'm, I'm not. I'm not up on that question. I'm not sure exactly what. Uh, I, I'd have to study that. The decree of the watchers, the sentence is set by is by the decree of the watchers. And then verse 24 of Daniel 4, it is the, uh, the interpretation of king, it is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King. Well, the Most High there would be uh, yeah. God. So, yeah, I don't think I, that I, would prove it. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not able to comment. I'm just, I'm drawing a blank on that. But I... Whatever that seems to be somewhat obscure expression. I don't know that it's found any place else in the scripture. So whatever it means here would have to harmonize with what we find elsewhere in the right. scriptures. I would say that. Okay. All right, Jared. Thanks uh, for that. Uh, sorry we couldn't comment more. Okay. So you've shown now that those three uh, are possess the characteristics of God. They're called God in the scriptures. Now. Now, let's let's throw up the other chart, Kyle, real quickly, and let's try to get this in before our mid-hour break. The other part of this chart is that these are distinctly different beings. So uh, when we look at that other chart, Kyle, we see that the Father is not the Son. Uh, Look look at 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3. Uh, let me get my chart a little bigger so I can see it here. First John 1, verse 3. All right. Uh, well, come on up. Here we go. Uh, notice John said, uh, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So the Father is not the Son. They're shown as distinct beings there. Mm -hmm. So on that chart that Kyle's got up on the screen now, you see that the Father is God and Jesus is God, but they're not the same being. They're shown as two distinct separate beings there in that text. We can show that in a lot of places. Know, too, that the, 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 the Father is not the Holy Spirit. Go to Matthew chapter 3. Verses 16 and 17, 
This well, we are read this. Well, this is this is the case of Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist, the one that Kevin referenced just a minute ago in the chat room. And we see the the Spirit come descending as dove, and the Father speaking from heaven. Two different, two different beings, two two, two different manifestations there. And then notice that the Son is not the Holy Spirit from John chapter fourteen, verse sixteen. Uh, In John chapter 14, verse 16, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter comforter, that that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. So Jesus said, I'm going to pray the Father and he'll give you not me, but another comforter who is the Holy Spirit. So that's the complete chart there. And I've always thought that is absolutely not original with, with me. Uh, that's been around for a long time, but I've, I've never seen anything that I think does a better job of showing this notion of the Godhead. God is the the quality of deity, and three beings possess it, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they are distinct and separate beings. They're not the same being. By the way, if you would like a copy of that chart, I can email that to you. Send that to questions at collegeview.com, and and I can just I can drop that image to you in an email, and you can print it off. Uh, if you don't have that, like I said, that's been around forever. I I mean I don't know when I it's been decades since I first saw that, and I thought it did such a good job of representing. It's not original with me; it's been around a long time, but it really does a good job showing this notion of God. All right, uh, we've got some comments from our listeners uh, who <coughs> responded to your emails as to how many beings are identified as God in the Bible, Chloe. References First John five verse seven says, "For there are three that bear record in heaven: the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one." Uh, he says, "She says there's only one true God." Now, that verse is, I think, maybe somewhat suspect. What's your take on First uh, John chapter five verse seven? Yeah, there are there are people who think that that is what is sometimes called a spurious addition to the text. Uh, I don't know. I've it done, doesn't teach anything that's not true. Yeah, but there, there there are some who question whether it was in the original manuscripts. It certainly is verified by other places in Scripture. But I and and I agree with Chloe that it certainly teaches that point. Yep. Just be aware though, if you threw that out there and you were arguing with somebody who didn't believe it, they might throw it back at you and say it doesn't belong there. Yeah, probably don't want to make your argument solely off of that verse. Yeah. You want to use some other verses, yeah, yeah. but that certainly does do the truth and teach the truth. Uh, and then uh, Daniel says the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Matthew twenty eight nineteen, Matthew three seventeen uh, sixteen and seventeen, the baptism of Jesus there. Uh, Matthew, Acts 5, 3 and 4, we talk about the Holy Spirit. And Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, um, he also references Genesis 1, 26 and 27 that we did on uh, the idea that God said, let us make man in our image. Uh, they're plural pronouns in verse 26, but uh, the next verse says, uh, so God created man. So using those interchangeably there, John 1, th- 1 through 3 says the word made all things and the word was with God and the word was God. The one God is not a single individual, but one in purpose and nature, and he references John 10, verse 30. So we'll probably get into some of those ideas after the break. And then Kent says the scriptures clearly affirm that there is only one God, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, Galatians 3, verse 20. Uh, While there is but one God, the scriptures also teach that there are three persons that comprise the one God, namely the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is God. But is not the Son nor the Holy Spirit. John six twenty seven. Christ is the Son of God, 
Uh, Christ the Son is God, but the, is not the Father nor the Holy Spirit, John twenty twenty seven through 28. The Holy Spirit is God, but is not the Father nor the Son, Acts 5, 3, and 4. While the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all equally partake of the essence of deity, they are not the same person, Matthew three sixteen and 17. So a lot of verses there that our listeners have referenced that are great. Um, uh, so I see uh, Matthew twenty eight nineteen, Matthew three sixteen and 17, uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 20, uh, John six twenty seven, uh, John twenty twenty seven and 28. Um, and so lots of verses that you there's might just, want to take down and reference lot of, there. There's a lot of scriptures that, that, that all sort of tie this together. And like we were saying earlier, and I'm, I apologize for not being able to give a better answer to Jared's question about the watchers in Daniel 4. But like I said, I guess, I guess my main answer to that question would be, that's obscure, and it's the only place in the Bible I know of that there's any reference to anything like that. And whatever it means, has to it has to harmonize with these other things that are clear. Okay. We're going to get a break and go uh, back to the discussion. This idea of the Scriptures being adamant that there's one God. Chloe referenced uh, uh, John chapter 5, verse 7, uh, that says there's one God, or that they're, they're one we how need to how do we how, get how, into if that? If you got you, three beings, how can they be? How can there be one God? How can they be one? How can three be one? That makes some people's head explode when yeah, you start talking yeah, like that. How yeah. can we? How can we make? How can we make sense of that? Uh, we'll get on that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. In writing about the qualifications for deacons, Paul said that they ought to, quote, first be proved, unquote, 1 Timothy 3, verse 10. His point is obvious. Before a man should be appointed to serve in this special office in the church, he should have demonstrated his faithfulness, his zeal, and his commitment to serve the Lord. We're not looking for someone who has to be specially recognized before he does any work. We want a man who's already working and who will continue to work whether he receives any notice or not. While Paul was specifically speaking about deacons in the text cited, there are some things implied that have application to all Christians. First, you should realize that you are currently establishing a reputation. Others in the congregation are viewing your work and service. They are developing an opinion of you. As they think of you, they will see you as either a steady worker or as a mere spectator in the work of the church. Which will it be? Second, if it's right to hold potential deacons up to this kind of scrutiny, why would it not also be proper to use the same approach regarding folks who might be selected for other roles in the church? Preachers, Bible class teachers, those who serve in the public worship, and so forth. All need to first be proved. And finally, while some will complain about this kind of judging, it's clear that the Lord expects us to do it. John 7, verse 24. If you want to serve, then you must be willing to, quote, first be proved. And so, Christian, how are you doing? As your brothers and sisters look to you, do they see someone who is proving himself to be a faithful disciple? Such evaluations are taking place continually. How do you rate? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I am Nestor Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America. And I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program too. Gracias. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. And we're back on the program. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Our website, if you've never been there, check it out, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, or check out collegeview.com. It'll take you to the same place. And you'll want to check out our video feed from our worship services and Bible studies at collegeview.com, uh, where you can 
sort of see what it's like at a worship service here. Uh, maybe a little bit hesitant to come visit. You wonder what how, what a worship service is like. Come and watch it on, on the YouTube feed before you come and visit with us. Uh, and anytime you have a question, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. I want to go back to the passage that Chloe referenced, 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. My take on it is I have faith that God preserved his word in a pure form for us. And, and anytime you've got to go to you go to a scripture and you say, well, that's not supposed to be in there, you're on questionable ground in my opinion. Well, just know that it's not in some of the ancient manuscripts. Right. Those verses are not in some of the ancient manuscripts. And for that, so I, I wouldn't want Chloe or anybody else to think we don't trust the Bible. We trust it. Right. And the truth conveyed in those verses is certainly it taught is elsewhere. Unquestionable. Uh, I, I just think it's good for us to probably be aware that if we make an argument from that passage, somebody may throw that in your face. May try to, you know, quibble whether that's supposed to be there or not. So, if we have other verses, it may be better to make our arguments from other verses. Just and to have uh, other just verses to, at your disposal. Yeah, be ready with other just verses. Just like Mark yeah. sixteen, fifteen, and sixteen, people are yeah. going to make a deal about that when it's provable that that is uh, yeah. authentic. But you don't have to have it to make your point. Yeah. So you might have other verses yeah. at the ready. And you're making a point that the last verses of Mark chapter 16, some people question whether they, because they're not in some of the ancient manuscripts, but they are in others. And some people will argue whether the last verses of Mark 16 are should actually be in a Well, I think they, I think they should be. Uh, and there's been a lot written about that. And my conclusion is they should be. But I can prove that you have to be baptized without using Mark sixteen sixteen. Yeah. So just have other verses ready, and just don't get caught off guard when someone's yeah. oh that's not supposed to be in there. Well, yeah. you can you can have that discussion if you want, or you just go to some other verses and show yeah. the same thing. Yeah. All right. All right. So now the question we want to deal with is how can if you're saying there's just one God, but you're saying there's three beings who are God, how does that how can three be one? How can we say there's one God? But we say there's three different beings in the Godhead. Uh, well, I think the answer to that is to, to know that we use the idea of one in lots of references. For instance, I, get, I got some for instance, and I think maybe our, our emailers have got some too. Husbands and wives are referred to as being one. Mm-hmm. In Ephesians five thirty one, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and they two shall be one flesh. They'll be like one person. They're still two distinct beings, but they will be as though they are one. Yeah. Uh, in First Corinthians chapter three, beginning verse six, Paul said, "I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase." Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And wait, a man, well, the, wait, a, wait a minute, Paul. Come on, Paul. You just said that you were two, and now you're saying you're one. What's up with that? He identified himself and Apollos. He said, I planted, Apollos watered. and then But then he said, he that planteth and watereth are one. Well, they're not the same person. But they're the same in position. And unity and, and purpose and, function. and work. Yeah. Right? So they were united, perfectly united. Yeah. He and Apollos were perfect. The Jerusalem church, this is lots of people. There were a lot of people in Jerusalem church. But in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says, The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. They were of one heart and one soul. There were thousands of people, but they were one. 
Unified. Unif- perfectly unified. And that's the notion of Jesus and the Father. In John 17, when Jesus was praying before he was arrested and crucified, John 17, verse 20, beginning, Jesus said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That, in other words, he's praying for the apostles. He said, I'm praying, I'm not, but I'm not just praying for them. I'm praying for all who will believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I mean, that just, I mean, Jesus was clearly talking about unity there. Unity and harmony. Uh, uh, Common purpose. And so there's several ways. I mean, we see it in the Bible. We see several instances of multiple beings being identified as one. And so when there is one God, there is the existence of these three beings that are unified. Or as Chloe put it in her email, there is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. They are a whole together. Right. They are one. They are united Thank completely. Thank you, Chloe, for your email. And then Kent says, there is no contradiction regarding the biblical concept of the Godhead, wherein there is one God in three persons. To illustrate this biblical truth, consider the geometric triangle. There is one triangle comprised of three distinct corners. Well, each corner is a component of the triangle, such as a distinct entity, yet comprises only one triangle. We're not arguing uh, for that of tritheism, arguing for three separate gods. Neither are we arguing for universalism, one person in the Godhead, or modalism of the oneness Pentecostal persuasion. The scriptures teach one God comprised of three persons. Okay. All right. And then Daniel says, uh, John 17, verse 11, as Jesus and the Father are one, his followers are likewise to be one. That's a passage you referenced earlier. And then 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, the Godhead shares this kind of oneness in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. Uh, and perhaps there is more to it than we can know. Uh, and Daniel makes a good point there. Uh, th- we are getting into stuff that may, perhaps beyond our I think brain to comprehend. I, I don't think that our finite minds can comp- fully comprehend the infinite God. and And so... There's some limitations to our understanding of these things, but uh, the the what we do know is understandable, and therefore we uh, whatever whatever sense we have of God has to harmonize with what we've been what has been revealed about God. Yeah, yeah. So we shouldn't be so arrogant to think that oh, we got to be able to figure it all out. No, uh, maybe some of it's beyond our comprehension. We'll take it by faith uh, that such exists because it's what the scriptures say. All right, good comments from our listeners. All right. All right, let's grab our last break, Jacob, and when we come back, then we want to spend just our last few minutes talking about the fact that this is this is sort of the big picture about God and the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and the Godhead, three beings that comprise the or that all possess the the attributes of deity. So, and that's a little bit hard for people to grasp or see that picture of God, but people have all kinds of erroneous ideas about what God is really like. And we'll just spend a few minutes talking about some of those erroneous ideas that people have about God. 877-381-4567. We're back right after this. There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. Warning. This is to make you aware of a disorder plaguing American and the metro area. BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. Many people are not getting enough Bible in their daily lives. Are you? Answer the following questions to see if you might be suffering from 
BDD. Do you answer spiritual questions by saying, I think, instead of the Bible says? Do you depend on religious authors and pastors to tell you what to believe? When Benny Hinn says, this is your day for a miracle, do you believe him? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you might be suffering from BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. The College View Church of Christ is dedicated to fighting BDD by teaching the Bible. We focus on Christ by following his word. Don't succumb to BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. Fight it by joining us for Bible study on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. As long as there is breath in your body, it is not too late to fight Bible Deficit Disorder. We'll see you this Sunday at the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. The vast majority of Americans still believe that Jesus was a true historical figure. More than 9 out of 10 adults say Jesus Christ was a real person who actually lived. While the historicity of Jesus may not be in question for most Americans, people are much less confident in the divinity of Jesus. Most adults believe Jesus was God, 56%, but about one quarter say he was only a religious or spiritual leader like Muhammad or Buddha. The remaining one in six say they aren't sure whether Jesus was divine or not. That information is via Barna.com. The Word of God says in Romans 1, beginning verse 3, Concerning His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program, going to the top of the hour, talking about the Godhead and now some pretty false and erroneous ideas that people have about God. Yeah, we'll go through these kind of quickly. We just have a few minutes left, but... Uh, it's important for us to understand not only the technical notion of the Godhead and the three beings that are all identified as God, but it's important for us when we think about God to be thinking of him accurately in regards to how he interrelates with us. And I suggested some false ideas that people have, and the first of them is that some people view God sort of like as a kindly old grandfather, you know the idea. Here's this old grandpa, and he's got he's got his grandkids around him, and they can do no wrong. They're just perfect in his sight, and and he's just so thrilled with them. He just uh, uh, he, he could never say anything negative, or or uh, he he couldn't correct them, or or uh, rebuke them for anything they did wrong. He just he's just uh, just a a kindly old grandfather that's so pleased with his grandchildren. Some people think that's the way God is. He's just, God is a loving God. There's no doubt about that. But some people emphasize that aspect of God to the exclusion of anything else. He's just a a wonderful, old, loving grandpa kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Go ahead. Well, Daniel stated it well. He says, God is good and kind, Psalm 136, verse 1, but is also able to judge those who are in opposition, Psalm 136, verses 10, 15, and 17 through 18, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. So he is good and kind. Maybe so that aspect of a grandfather would be good. He, he provides for us and cares for us, but he's going to judge. Right. That's what Daniel said. Yeah. Uh, the, the The problem with with having that view of God that he's just like an old grandpa is that it makes him, well, grandpas are sort of feeble and weak. You know, the old grandpa, he's, he's tottering on his cane and he's, you know, he's uh, sort of confined to his easy chair or rocking chair. He's not able to get out and do anything because he's old, he's old and decrepit. Worn out. Yeah. Uh, And so, you know, 
having that view of God sort of makes him feeble and weak. It makes him out of date and irrelevant. I mean, we love our grandpas, of course, but so out of touch. You know, he, you know, his time has passed. He's 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 not he's not with it. You know, he he's the he's out of touch with with what's really going on. And if that's what way we view God, then that, that's a, that's a wrong picture of God. But the big problem with that view is that it makes it's almost like he, we think he's unconcerned with, or is actually indulgent when it comes to sin. You know that well, yeah, the, the grandchildren do some things that I don't really like them to do, but I'm not going to say anything about it. Yeah, uh, all of that's the wrong view of God. Yeah, Chloe says uh, she says our God God is our Father and is eternal. Doesn't he doesn't get old? So he couldn't I, be that old. I, yeah, I think Chloe had a take on it there that, you know, it's not like he's old and out of date. He doesn't get old. He's yeah, eternal. He's eternal. All right. Um, Daniel and his email. We got Dan. I got oh, oh, you already got that and one. Then, uh, and then uh, we'll save uh, Kent for the end here. Okay. All right. Hang on to Kent there. All right. So what about the idea that God is sort of like a... a, a uh, a jolly Santa Claus kind of character. You know, Santa Claus is this imaginary person that uh, who just exists to satisfy the the wants and whims of people, uh, especially children. You know, it's a it, it, Santa Claus is not even real. That's he's just an imaginary being, and so God is sort of like that. He, he's just he, he's just he's just a, maybe even an imaginary being that's just there to sort of. Give us what we want to 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 satisfy our wants and wishes. Sort of like a genie in the bottle, sort of. You just sort of he you sort of ask him what yeah. you want, what yeah. you need him, and uh, that you just sort of. Other than that, you're going to ignore him. Yeah, I've talked to people like that before. That you know things are going bad in their life. Well, maybe I could maybe if I sort of come to God for a little while, He'll take some of this stuff away from me. Well. First of all, we believe, that, as we said earlier, God's a loving God, and he is concerned with the things we need. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, James 1, verse 17 says. And so uh, he, he certainly is, is concerned with our needs, but he does not just exist uh, to satisfy our uh, wants and cravings. Our, our, uh, uh, he, he's not there just to gratify our desires. Uh, that's the wrong picture of God. Okay. Uh, God, Daniel says uh, that in Ephesians 1, God has given and done so much, but it is what that we should should be to the praise of his glory, Ephesians 1, verses uh, 12, and uh, Rome, uh, Romans eleven thirty six. And so it's not just for uh, our sole benefit. It's for his glory as well. And Chloe says God's not for folklore. He does exist. Because right, exi- Santa Claus is folklore, yeah, fake, right? Yeah, yeah. He does not exist to please us, but to do what is best for us, Ephesians 6, verse 24. Okay. All right. Thanks, Chloe. Uh, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy oh, 6. Sorry, Deuteronomy. Yeah. And what he commands is for our good. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. So uh, an, another idea, and this you were sort of getting to this a minute ago, Jacob, the idea that I can sort of make a deal with God. You know, uh, uh, I, I haven't been living very good, and, and i got some bad things going on in my life, and I'm going to. I'm, I'm trying to strike a bargain with God that if He will, well, if He'll heal me of this disease that I've got right now, then I'll I'll 
do I'll do better. I'll go to church every Sunday this whole next year if he'll just help me get through this immediate health crisis that I'm yeah. in right now. Yeah. I'm just going to strike a deal with God. You know, he, he's sort of a traitor kind of a guy. And you know, if you've got something of value that he wants, he'll give you something of value that you want, and you can kind of make a deal. Uh, I think some people have, because you hear people doing that sort of thing. You know, they get real sick maybe, and they haven't been thinking about God at all. But they say, oh man, if God had just helped me get through this, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do better. I'll, 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 uh, I'll give up drinking. I'll give up smoking if God will just do this for me right now. You know, make a deal. God, God's not that kind of a God either. Okay. Uh, 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 Daniel references, uh, Psalm 50. Verses 9 through 14, uh, should have had that pulled up here. Psalm 59 through 14 uh, says, um, I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goats out of thy folds, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon the thousand hills. I know uh, all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee. For the world is mine and the fullness thereof. So Daniel's saying that's a what, really good passage. What's your what's going to be your bargaining chip here? God yeah. doesn't need anything from you. Exactly. All right. right. Okay. Uh, uh, Acts in Acts 17, when Paul was preaching his famous sermon on Mars Hill, he said the same thing in verse 25. Uh, God is uh, not worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. God, God, you can't, you can't bargain or negotiate a deal with God because he doesn't need anything you have to offer. Yeah. So I like that. I appreciate Daniel for putting that in there. Yeah. All right. Uh, Another idea that I put on my list was that some people view God as a scapegoat, someone we can blame for anything that goes wrong. Uh, and, and you hear that sometimes, you know, maybe someone had a had a loved one pass away or a loved one who's real sick. And they say, why did God do this to me? Why is God doing this to me? You know, and the blame goes to God. Um, I think that's a bad mistake. If you want to know if if it's a matter of human hurt and suffering, if you want to lay the blame at the feet of the one who caused it all, you, you can blame Satan. I mean, because when God had things the way he wanted it, everything was perfect in the Garden of Eden. And and the, what ruined that was when Satan convinced men, to man and woman, to sin. And so really the blame for all the issues that exist uh, in the world, hurt, uh, suffering, and uh, sorrow, blame Satan, but don't blame God. I mean, I, I think the idea that... You hear that all the time, though. But the other thing is, you know, we bring a lot of suffering on ourselves. And and that goes to the fact that God made us free moral agents. We can make choices. He lets us make our own choices. Sometimes we make bad choices, yeah. and our bad choices really hurt us. But uh, uh, he, he didn't make us into robots. Uh, he made us into beings with free choice, and, and so uh, that's actually something good, that we have free choice. Just know, though, that you can't blame God if you make bad choices and bad things happen to you. Yeah, Um Chloe and um, and um, Daniel wrote both reference uh, uh, Romans eight twenty three um, eight twenty eight. I'm sorry. Uh, we know that all things work together for the good for good to those that love God, and to them who are called according to His purpose. Uh, so God's not uh, the one doing these bad things to us. You know, you hear that a lot. People something something hap- bad happens in somebody's life. They say, well, I don't know why God would allow do this to me. Why would God send this to me? Um, 
insurance companies, something bad happens, a tree falls on your house. What is that? The act of God. Act of God. What's up with that? Yeah. Yeah, God's the one just going out making trees fall on people's houses and lightning striking their... Yeah. So people do blame God. Uh, Daniel also references Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. If things always if things go wrong, it's not always God's fault. And references Psalm twenty five verse three. Uh, so uh, appreciate Daniel for that um, tonight. Real quickly, we got to go quick here. Uh, another false idea, God. He's just a harsh overlord who's always looking to for a chance to condemn us. He just wants to strike us down. Uh, I, again, I think that's a bad picture of God. First Timothy two verse four says God wants all men to be saved. He doesn't want to condemn us. He wants to save us. And Daniel references Second Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And, for, and he mentions 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He, with every temptation, there's a, way, there's a way of escape provided so that we don't have to be condemned. And Chloe mentions again Deuteronomy six twenty four that everything that he commands is for our good. If he and she asks a good question, if God just wants to, a chance to condemn us, why would he send his son to be crucified? Yeah, that he actually work. he actually made a a, a a major provision for our salvation, not our condemnation. Yep. Okay. And then finally. A lot of people view God as a, as a being who's just like we are. You know? And so we, we think that we can judge God because God thinks just like we do. Boy, that's but, a mistake. But, of course, the classic text on that is Isaiah chapter 55. I see Daniel has that. Chloe has that. Uh, uh, both of them reference Isaiah chapter 55. Let me get to that. Should I have that open? Uh, my thoughts are not your thoughts right. either. Your ways, my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your you ways. Got and my thoughts are your thoughts. Yeah, it was in yeah. your notes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, Daniel also references a verse that you had in your notes as well, Psalm 50, verses 20 through 23, where God is just chiding the people. There, you thought I was just like you. Yeah. You made you were you made uh, stupid assumptions because you thought I would think like you. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not like you. Uh, and so when you start heading down that road, you're asking for trouble. But people do that all the time. Yeah. When they read something from the scriptures that doesn't line up with what they think should happen. Yeah. Well, God wouldn't expect that from me. I can't understand why God would want me to do that. And so since it doesn't make sense to me, I'm not going to do it. Because you thought you were just like God. Yeah. And what you did, and you brought your God down to your level. Yeah. And you just, and, and his intelligence to your level. And you might as well throw your Bible away if you're going to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're not, you're not following him. Real quickly, let me read uh, what Kent wrote about these false ideas about God. And we're just out of time. Kent says, there are, uh, there are false views wherein individuals view God as a grandfather, a cosmic Santa Claus, a bartering traitor, a scapegoat, a harsh overlord, or some other common day human. The God of the Bible is an eternal, self-existent being who is holy, just, righteous, and perfect in all of his ways. He has always been. He, he presently exists, and he will have no end. While Christ, the second member of the God, is is an incarnate being, also having a human nature, such does not change the fact that he is also eternal, self-existent being without end. No human on earth can be viewed as such. Very good, Kent. Jared's in the chat room and references Psalm 50, verse 21 as well. Um, And then Dwight says, God is a just God. We need to remember that as well. 
that God is a just God. Uh, yeah, some of the things that that confuse people is because they don't accept the fact that God, in His very nature, demands justice, and and that's they don't want men don't want justice a lot of times because yeah. it 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 is contrary to their own self will. All right, we're out of time, but we've got time for you, Kyle. Any final thoughts tonight from that side of the controls? Uh, I think it's uh, it's an essential that we understand the nature of the Godhead. So I think it's something we need to make sure that we understand who the Holy Spirit is, who, what Jesus' pre- part is in the Godhead, and what uh, the Father is. So I think it's essential. I think it's a good study. So. Uh, by the way, uh, Kyle, re- were, uh, thoughts there reminded me, of, we'll say again to anybody who was watching or listening, uh, you want that chart, which is an old, old chart, not original with us. You may already have, probably a lot of listeners already have a copy of that. But if you'd like a copy of that chart that shows the three beings of the Godhead and shows them as distinct, separate beings, send me an email to questions at college. If you tell me what you want, and I'll, I can just email that to you real that quick. That chart wasn't made on a computer, was it? When you got there, I, don't I think, bet it was not. I, I didn't think make somebody it. scanned it in. It looks like an old, an uh, old that, that that we were showing is something I scanned in. Yeah. But somebody made that chart's been around forever. Yeah. But it's a it's a good one. And so if you if you'd like a copy of it, it does a very concise job of of showing what uh, the scriptures teach on the subject. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for a good discussion tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for uh, being on the other end of the line tonight. Dwight uh, tells everyone to have a good night. And thanks for the study. Thank you, Dwight, for being out there. And thank you uh, as well for listening. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's word. We hope make, make, make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.